get out I'll get out of all your boxes I'll get out You can't hold me in these chains I'll get out Father, free me from this bondage Knowing my condition Is the reason I must change Welcome to Respeaks, Hosted by yours truly, Rihanna Raymond-Williams This podcast aims to share a variety of stories and conversations discussing race, education, health and so much more. Here I use my voice to create change in the hope that inspires you to do the same. Join me on this journey. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Kafaya Apollowan about her journey to becoming the anthology editor of This Is Us, Black British Women and Girls, which she describes as a hug in a book for black women. In our conversation, we also speak about her work as a practitioner in the violence against women and girls sector, alongside her take on black feminism. My name is Kafaya Falake Apollowan. And my current job title is campaign manager consultant. And what has brought me joy? Because at the beginning of the week, I'm like, nothing has happened. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's the blessing. But also, I would say in the last week, Ramadan has come to an end. And so I guess Ramadan being a really holy and spiritual month for me, and being a month where I somewhat, to some degree, kind of have in it and go in, it ending has brought joy in a sense of being in that space was really joyous and emotional and also being able to celebrate Eid with my family and friends and have that celebration is definitely something that has made me smile and made my heart warm. Why did you start working in the women's sector? I don't know if I can actually put my finger on it in terms of why I started working in the women's sector. I'll talk about the work that I do first Mm -hmm. and then maybe get onto the why. I guess for me, I would say my work consists of blackness, women, Violence against women and girls. And I would say like spirituality is also something I'm trying to encompass in the work that I do. And so I have worked in the women's sector for several amounts of years now, supporting women who've been victims of child sexual exploitation. I mean, girls who've been victims of child sexual exploitation, women in prostitution, women who've been victims of trafficking and so on and so forth. And my, I'll say speciality, and I think the part of that work that I really enjoy is working with young women, particularly young Black, minority, ethnic young women in in inner city. And I've really started to do a lot of work around formal and informal education. And why I do this work, I think it brings me joy. Not even, I think it brings me joy. Let me affirm that. And I guess starting or working in a sector very much probably came from being young in my home and just seeing particularly injustices. And it might have been so small, like why am I watching a place and my brother is not? And I think from, from very early, I had this sense of inequality amongst men and women. And I think as I got older, I just started to explore that a bit more and came across this thing called feminism. And I think with that kind of led me into working in the women's sector and really wanting to do that work not just moving my friends and family, but really doing it as like a job. So really supporting women. And I guess my entry point in the sector was volunteering at East London Rape Crisis. Mm-hmm. And so where I was volunteering there, you know, when you volunteer, you get to know people mm-hmm. and you start doing a bit of the work and you you just start learning about more organizations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that. I was like, okay, I kind of like this space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, let me just kind of stay here and kind of build my quote unquote career in this space because it's something that it felt natural to me so yeah okay and I think some of what you mentioned there kind of 
highlights your personal journey into developing an interest and in a profession, but yeah. also kind of really feeling empowered and kind of mobilised to empower others through the work that you're doing. And mm-hmm. I think as you were speaking, I was just thinking about in the work that you do, what would you say are some of the factors that make particular groups of people, particular groups like black women, more vulnerable to things like violence against women and girls? Yeah, what are the factors that make women more vulnerable, black women in particular, to these conditions? I would say, first of all, because of systems and the system of racism. Yeah, how we are victims of racism in the system, I should say. But then also because of gender and I guess how those two coincide. And I guess we've all heard theories about like intersectionality and that double disadvantage that Black women have. And not just double for many women, that could be triple disadvantage that we experience. And I think because there is not a lot of research when it comes to Black women and Black women experiences, we are not listened to. So still within the women's sector when it comes to violence, there's still racism within that world. And it's something that I do find quite surprising because you would think because of the gender inequality, there would be an understanding about how race plays out. But that is something that is still yet for the sector to really fully understand. And I think it is because of things like, okay, so for example, we look at the importance of specialised services. When you think of like a Black Muslim woman, a lot of the time when people think of Muslim peoples, they think of Asian women. And And because of that, you'll see how a Black Muslim woman will not get that specialised support or service. She isn't Muslim enough to be in maybe a specialised Asian service, but then she can't be in a generic service because her Blackness means that she doesn't get the support she needs. I think you're right. I think just as you said, there's so many intersecting oppressions that Black women experience. And I think public services don't take that into consideration and they're also just not trying to understand it it's undervalued underappreciated and that's why we ultimately are unsafe as a community I think then going forward what do you think you've learned from being in the sector because I feel like it's mobilized you to create your own way and own approach to kind of value these women's stories Mm. and kind of create change so what's your learning been in that? I would say my learning has very much been there's always something you can do to support somebody. One thing I'm not trying to do is be the saviour with a cape on that's coming like I'm trying to save everybody's life or save the world. Mm -hmm. Whilst at the same time, I also acknowledge that little bit of piece of work you do with that young black woman or that little bit of piece of work you do with that older Asian woman can really change the trajectory (laughs) of how they view what support should look like. And what I mean by that is, for me, when I do the work that I do, I always try my best and work my hardest to ensure the women I work with are advocated for and get their needs met. And I think, for me, there's something about setting that bar. I want them to know, as your support worker, as your advocate, this is how I'm meant to work for you. So even if it's just me setting a bar for when they have another support worker, they know that, actually, no, you can do this for me or do that for me. Or whether it's just giving them some affirming words, whether it's just really just showing them kindness and love for me I've always wanted to leave whoever I'm working with and then feeling like you know what I might remember her name because my name is not something that a lot of people remember but you know what I remember she was a great support worker and she always told me this and she left me that and I'll just say you can always leave somebody with something even if you were unable to get them you know housing I don't know the new furniture that you applied for with a grant but you're able to leave somebody with something beautiful and I think that brings us on to the next point which is about your book this is us and such a beautiful way to really leave us with a legacy and I really want to understand where did the journey for that begin and what is the book about so the journey for this is us it's a weird one because there's so many like entry points for where that journey started like it could start from being in a car and 
sitting there with my three aunties and my mum chatting for hours about all their different stories and from young really taking an interest in what's going on in my cousin's houses or it could be from working in the women's sector and hearing different stories from women every single day and knowing that they're just more than this thing that brought us together which is violence and knowing that they're complex beings it also could just be from being that friend who everybody comes to talk to about their issues. I think even, you know, going to Nigeria in 2017 and celebrating my grandma's 80th birthday and being in Nigeria for the first time as an adult and looking around and having this weird emotional feeling with this place that I call home. And so I have several entry points as to where it began. But I guess I would say that last point from Nigeria, there's something that sparked in me that alongside doing this, course called African Resistant Leaders with Black History Walks and hearing all these stories of these African women who resisted over time and really having a conversation with myself about as you mentioned legacy and okay when it's all said and done what am I going to say I was able to contribute to this thing like what am I going to able to say I've done I remember when having that conversation with myself there was a level of beating myself up I remember thinking like no, man, I want to be like these warrior women who stopped wars from happening and all this stuff and Queen of Sheba. And, and I was like, but Kafaya, like, it's all right. Like, do what you can do in your community in a way in which you can do it. And I wouldn't say because of that, I'm like, I need to put together a book. But it definitely sparked a particular energy and ignited a particular flame in me to really go inwards. And so when the opportunity arose to put This Is Us together, it was something in my spirit that I was like, this is something it was that I wanted to do, but something that I have to do because I knew it's something I could do. And I think particularly because of the fact that my dyslexia has also been quite a big barrier in my learning and the way I've lived my life. So for me, putting together a book is almost something that I would never have imagined for myself. So it was like, OK, this is a challenge I need to and want to take on. So This Is Us is an anthology of over 100 stories of Black British women and girls who discuss a range of topics from like love from relationship breakdown to also like religion and spirituality but also identity also relationships with family with fathers with ex-boyfriends with self so yeah it's just a range of stories but I'd really say it's almost like a hug in a book like it's like for a black woman is there's so many different stories you can read and resonate with but also there's stories that you might not but I think that's the beauty of This Is Us, is that it shows Black women in our complexities and not even on our entirety, because there's so many other stories that could be in there. But it kind of shows us in more than one narrative. That's what I'd say This Is Us is. It's a hug in a book for Black women. Beautiful. And I just want to say before you spoke about wanting to be a warrior woman, you are a warrior woman. What are you talking Thanks about? Like, <laughs> this is a testament to your, you know, your, your fighting strength, the resistance, because we know it's not easy to put words together on paper, first of all, because you're dyslexic. And yeah. because I know dyslexia live in that as well. But mm-hmm. also just because, you know, bringing people together, mobilizing communities to create change and add voice mm-hmm. to a place where we are so silenced. Warrior woman, you no, can relate it. <laughs> thank you. No, you know what? I received that I receive it but you know why I say that I think I guess doing that course I'm hearing all these stories and I'm so happy that you did bring it up but I'm hearing all these stories of like Queen Nzenga and mm. all of this stuff and like women stopping or the Dahomey warriors the soldiers to the king and you know I'm like no I want to be on a battlefield fighting and we you know, are you are actually, you're battling now exactly exactly <laughs> and, and that's what I'm saying I had to realize like my battle looks very different mm. from those women and the fact that I am doing and acting on that do 
is just the fight in itself. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because as you know, it's like being here in the UK, going to work, going to these different spaces is a battle and a fight every single day. Okay. Um, and so I realized that after a while, I had to go through the motions of it's okay. Like you're doing what you can do to the best of your ability to fight, even if it's not a physical one. But yeah, I see that I'm a warrior woman. Yeah. Yes. I think it's really interesting because I think about like books and as a person who didn't read before maybe the start of this year just because of how inaccessible books were for me but then I found Audible my life changed you need to give yourself like that praise that it's a huge contribution to literature and it yeah. means it will stand its test for time like a huge legacy has been created here and mm-hmm. maybe I don't even think we can really conceptualize what this means right now in this moment but from 20 mm-hmm. years going forward this is powerful this is it yeah. Absolutely. And you know what? More and more I am starting to understand the impact. You know, like the other day it was brought to my attention that a young woman wrote about this is up in her dissertation. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, Kafaya, like this is bigger than me. As you said, it's a test in time. It's definitely something that whether it's in 20 years or even now, it's like actually I was able to give a woman something to write about in her dissertation mm-hmm. that she fully enjoyed. Whereas maybe if This Is Us wasn't created, she might have found it difficult to find literature on Black women, even though there are so many other books. And so, yeah, there is something about acknowledging that. So, yeah, I'm going to sit with that. Thank you, girl. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Why did you decide to call it This Is Us? You know what, yeah, the name of the book was one of the hardest things. When I tell you, I was like, okay, so what am I going to name this book? You know, at first I was trying to go down this lane of, you know, Nubian queen, goddess, <laughs> Afrocentric, Afrocentric. Like, I was all trying to come up with all this kind of, like, you Trust. know, yeah, like, I yourself kind of stuff. And I just kind of had to say to myself, you know what? As much as the publishers need the name of the book, it's going to come when it needs to come. I'm just going to release it and not overthink it. And mm. I remember sitting on the 141 bus on the phone to my cousin Rachel. Shout out, Rachel. Sitting mm. on the phone, like, you know she asked me what's the name of the book gonna be and I I was like I don't know I want it to be something like you know something that encompasses who we are I want it to be like like this is us this is this is us oh my gosh that is the name of the book this is us and so literally that's how it came about it just came out in with me with my cousin and this is us for me is like another way of saying like we're coming as we are Mm -hmm. like this is who we are you have to take it it's like this is us full stop it's not for you to question or ask or we're not going to alter who we are presenting is what you're going to get so that's why this is us I love it and I think exactly that like it's like receive us here we are come Mm -hmm. and receive us basically Yeah. yeah yeah what did you learn as part of reading editing kind of organizing the chapters in a particular way like what was that process like Oh, in terms of learning, there's so many things that I learned through the individual pieces, whilst there's things that I just learned in terms of like the whole book and putting the whole book together. And I think one of the main things was not so much learning, but remembering the importance of just like compassion and love and really like operating from a place of love and a place of compassion. I think hearing stories in the book, there's women who are family, there's friends, acquaintances and women who I don't know. And so especially some of those ones from people like one of my good friend's mother's written a piece about her mother passing away. And I've been around their family for years. But to hear that particular story and her retold how her mother passed away was like, wow, I come to Auntie Michelle's house and we always vibe and we joke. But I didn't actually realise there was this deep pain within her. 
that sits there. And so for me, it was just about actually, you have to remember to really come with compassion and love. And so when putting the book together, that was something I always remembered when people took time to give back their pieces or when people were finding it difficult, it was like, actually, you have to remember that I'm asking people to really dig deep and give a part of themselves. Also, just the importance of Black women using their voices in a way that makes sense to them and make them comfortable. For me, it's allowed me to ensure in whichever work I'm doing, ensuring that I look after the people I'm working with, but also I look after myself. As much as it's important to move with love and compassion with others, it's important to do that with self. And many times throughout the book, I didn't do that with myself. And I look back and I'm like, I should have. I wish I did give myself more love and compassion. I would say those are the things that I really took from putting the book together. This is a short clip taken from a panel discussion between Heidi Mercer, Stella Dadzi, Suzanne Scaife and Lola Akolosi, which took place at Cambridge University in 2019. The panel was organised to discuss the 2018 relaunch of Heart of a Race, Black Women's Lives in Britain as part of Verso's feminist classic series, which aimed to enable the book to reach a new generation of readers and activists. In 1985, Beverly Bryan, Stella Dadzi and Susan Scaife, members of the Organisation of Women of African and Asian Descent, OAD, published Heart of the Race, Black Women's Lives in Britain. This book was and still remains a powerful testimony to the collective experiences of black women in Britain and their relationship to the British state throughout its long history of slavery, empire and colonialism.
kind of talked about it just earlier, as you were saying about using ways that we as a people communicate and thinking of us as a black people, we come from storytelling and oral history. And how do you think we are using these methods today? And how do you think it's shaping our lived experiences to kind of, you know, put voice to podcasts in this way, put voice in book, like, you know, all different ways. How do you think it's allowing us to exist in this world by using these methods that we know already? As you ask me that question, the thing that comes to mind is remembering as Black people, we are the originators. When it comes to even like content we even see on social media, you see many of the time it originated from a Black person. Whether it's all of these TikTok dances, whether it's these memes and all of these stuff and these trends, they come from Black people. We even look at music and we see we are the originators. People might not know, but originators of the rock and roll, of soul, of pop, mm. all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And so... I think, as you said, that like oral history has been always such a big thing within community. You know, back in the day, I remember my mum was just tell me about like, you know, within the village back in the day, it was like there will always be like an orator, somebody who holds stories and passes stories down so that the stories continue throughout generations. I think of like folk stories that we've had from years upon years. And I just think that what we're doing now with the internet, we're doing amazing things. As you've mentioned, we're using all our resources possible, whether it's books, whether it's people using TikTok, whether it's people using threads. Like, you know, I see people on Twitter specifically, Tony Tone. I think her name Tony, Tony, Tony. Like, I see how she's always writing friends. I'm like, yes, girl. Like, that is a part of storytelling. You know, in 20 years, when people Google threads or Google things mm-hmm. up, you'll be able to see that there was this conversation happening online mm-hmm. and there was something there before them. So I think that we are doing an amazing job. When I see all these YouTubers getting their views, I'm like, yes, it's storytelling, whether or not it's something that you acknowledge or see, whether it's the community groups and sister circles that we have, that is a space where we're sharing stories about ourselves and our experiences. And I think we're doing a great job, as I said, of exhausting all our resources now. And so I'm very happy with the way in which we're using what we use to survive, because I guess the survival, being able to talk to your fellow Black women about what's going on in your life could be surviving. Like you could be having such a mad day and you speak to a Black woman on Zoom and you're good to go. So, yeah. (laughs) We love the energy of that. It's true. It's so true. Recently, I caught you on Black Ballads IG Live talking about yeah. the book, which was amazing. <laughs> and in particular, I think you spoke about believing in divine order and things mm-hmm. happening at a particular time. Mm-hmm. I just want to think a bit more about that. So how would you say your spirituality or faith has guided your journey? Spirituality has always been a part of my journey, whether I was present or acknowledged it so I am Muslim and was raised in a Muslim household so went mosque from a very early age and so from very young I always had this idea of spirit and idea of this higher being whether that be higher being in terms of a god but also this higher being within self and so I think as I've got older and things have started to happen for me and happen for me in a way where it's like this isn't a coincidence I can't sit here and say I want to I don't know, have this particular job. And then by the time I blink, I'm in the job. Or say I want to work internationally. By the time I blink, I'm actually working internationally. And so I think it has very much helped me and guide me especially in my older years, to really just know what is for me will never pass me. Mm -hmm. And anything I want to do, I will be able to do. Especially when I look at things like the book, I think what was so magical about that, I remember having a moment of reflection and thinking like, because a lot of people have asked me, where did the conception of this book come from? And as I said, there could be many entry points. And there's an entry point I didn't actually even mention. I remember my mum saying a prayer for me at the beginning of the year that I started the book. 
And she said, I pray that you receive all the things you pray for, but I also pray that you receive the things you don't pray for. Mm -hmm. And when I think about something like the book, that's not something I ever imagined I can do. And so I know that prayer from my mother was something that probably shift the angels and help the book come together. Mm -hmm. It really has allowed me to actually remember, because the thing is, we'd be praying for stuff. But we don't even be praying for enough. Like the higher power and God be saying, no, you, you can have more if you want it. And I think we do ourselves a disservice. And so to just go back to your question, I guess it really has allowed me to remember that I am a powerful being and I can do anything I want to do if I really want to do it. And so that's something I've really been honing on to that when things go wrong or things that go my way, it's not wrong. It's just not yet. Or actually, maybe it is a no, because maybe there's something greater. And that's really helped me and allowed me to keep my sanity in a lot of things. And so, yeah, it plays a big part in my life. Clearly, and I can see that. And I feel that, you know, I think sometimes, even as a woman of faith myself, sometimes, not that I forget my faith, I can never forget that. But I mean, the world is so busy and people are so toxic that it makes you Mm -hmm. almost not believe that they're... I know there is a God I don't ever question that but people's movements and the way things are could almost make other people believe there's not a God but yeah yeah there's no denying that truth for sure definitely what are some of the issues you feel black women are experiencing today I would say we're experiencing, I don't even want to say every single issue, but we're experiencing with a lot of issues, a lot of things, you know. As I mentioned, you know, being Black women in itself, you already kind of have that double disadvantage. But I think it's such a beautiful thing that a lot of the issues we are experiencing, there's more conversation around it. So, you know, as of recent years, I'm seeing a lot more conversation around racism, I guess, because of the killing of George Floyd and the protests that happened last year. Also the killing of Billy Munjinga. So we're seeing how people are speaking about black people but equally black women we're seeing how there's shows now on colorism or there's shows now on women dying during labor and pregnancy and so I think it's beautiful that there's conversation around these issues because they've always existed and unfortunately they will continue to exist just because of the way this system over here is set up but yeah I'm just happy that there's conversation the main thing I'm more happy about is that as black women there's been a shift among black women and black people in terms of really acknowledging actually this is the hurt we've done and I hear more conversations of not just black women and black men but going to therapy you know trying to do that internal work trying to ground themselves really trying to find themselves and I think for me regardless of the issues that are going on I'm happy that we as a people are doing the work to better ourselves. What are the other spaces you feel black women are creating and sustaining for self-care and healing? Like therapy definitely is one of them. What else would you say is like things that we are engaging with? At this moment, one of the things that I'm very much here for personally, and so I think I've been having conversations with self, is the importance of almost like self-sustaining. And I understand in terms of like therapy, not everybody has access to that for so many different reasons. And so for me, seeing that and knowing that women are, you know, coming together to have sister circles, but sister circles that people don't know about, you know, like when I remember doing research on like Black women's activism in America, the Black Panthers, and knowing that they had like their secret meetings, Mm -hmm. for me, always something that I was like, I'm going to be a part of one of these secret meetings, but I know being a part of that in the UK, that are Black women who are putting things together, there's things that might not be publicised, you might not see on the internet, but we are having conversations behind the scenes, we are linking up, we are connecting with one another. And for me, I think that's probably the most important and the most special 
its way that we as a people can collectively come together and look after one another and tap into that self-care but it's also great to see platforms like your black ballards or your geldens that is a source of self-care because if you have a phone and you might be a young woman in Preston, you know, you might be a young black woman of colour in Preston and there might not be nobody else around you, mm-hmm. but you know you can jump on your phone and read an article from Black Ballard and feel a sense of I'm not alone. Though Black Ballard and Yeldam and those platforms are equally important on top of like the YouTube creators who are creating content around blackness. There's been so much in terms of even like spirituality. I can just go online and see a black sister. I feel like she's talking to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like when she's telling about the importance of self-care, I feel like she's talking to to me but yeah nothing gets past having a one-on-one conversation with black women behind the scenes as a black woman i know the love support and trust that exists in the sister circles that i engage with both online and offline as a writer researcher and practitioner i find myself existing in spaces where i'm both an insider and outsider but what is special to me about these experiences are that i'm able to take up space and provide space for others Just as Kafaya has mentioned, it's so beautiful to see black women using all the resources we have within our reach to be both visible and accessible. Just going back to something you mentioned earlier about working internationally, do you want to talk a bit more about the work that you're doing and how that came about? Yeah, so at the moment I'm working on a VOD programme as a VOD lead for supporting young women in South Africa and we're putting together campaigns to discuss gender-based violence. It came about actually just from connections and I think that's something that's really important for people to remember like when you are moving in spaces it is important to connect. I know people are like yeah networking is the one but genuinely have genuine connections because people will have your back you know like we had you stay like sending me book links and <laughs> go on this link and, and it's so important because those are the things that can get you to the next stage or step in your life you never know when someone's going to mention something how you get there and this job came around because a woman actually knows was like you should actually go for this you would be amazing and what's funny is that like a few months earlier I'd actually put on my vision board that I want to work internationally and so when it came about I was like I see mm-hmm. you God I see you <laughs> and she was like yeah you should go for this job she actually told me that the person who had the role could no longer fulfill it. And I said, I already knew the job was for me. And so it's unfortunate I was unable to actually travel to South Africa because of the pandemic. But you know what, in terms of my personal life, so many other beautiful things have happened within that year. So I'm actually thankful for not being able to go. But also, I do hope to maybe go one day. The work working remotely has been great. The young women I've been supporting have been amazing in terms of really wanting to make noise and really wanting to be advocates on gender-based violence in their community. And, you know, there's no experience that is lost because when I think about putting together This Is Us and the importance of allowing women to show up as they are, that was also something I had to bring with me when working remotely in South Africa and that sounds so wild to say but what it is is that really allowing these young women to take onus of their campaign it's a girl-led campaign and I always tell them no you are my manager you tell me what you want and we'll make that happen I'm here to ensure like your needs are like met and fulfilled and so that work has been great they decided to focus on gender-based violence in higher educational institutions and they've been doing amazing work around campaigning writing letters putting together events to just bring some awareness around that issue what would you say are the similarities and differences because obviously I guess you predominantly worked in the UK and now Mm -hmm. not physically in South Africa but digitally or virtually connecting with people from a different context 
I would say the similarities are the fact that we have to remember violence happens everywhere. Violence against women and girls, it is a global pandemic in itself. And we are sitting here living with two pandemics, the COVID-19, but also gender-based violence and knowing that gender-based violence risks dramatically during a pandemic. And so I think that is the main thing, that people shouldn't other places. That doesn't happen here. That only happens over there. I would say in terms of the differences is how I would say things in the UK and things in the South Africa look. So for example, okay, people would assume because it's an African country, racism no longer happens. Racism still very much happens within South Africa. And you see the same systems here is the same over there. So you see that it is predominantly the white people, though they're the minority, they still hold a lot of the power. And so there's this weird similarity, but difference in South Africa of actually, even over there, you would think that black people hold the power. But unfortunately, a lot of the young women expressed to me that no, like they're not allowed to go to certain places or they can't maneuver in certain spaces when they're in particular parts of their country. Just as Kafaya has mentioned, violence against women and girls is a global issue. In recent years, a range of initiatives have launched to address crimes that have been identified as being committed primarily but not exclusively by men against women. As we know, anyone can experience violence regardless of their gender, race, age or ability. However, it is well known that black and minoritized women can experience increased risks of violence and abuse due to the entrenched systems of discrimination and barriers to accessing care and support, some of which include language differences, concerns around confidentiality and cultural stigma. I know you're doing so many amazing things, which is just so exciting, but particularly thinking about your work with Feminist Focus and how it feeds into mm -hmm. your journey. So yeah, how did it start? Why did you create it? And what are you trying to do with the platform? Feminist Focus is my baby. So with <laughs> Feminist Focus, I always remember feeling it's that thing of like creating something that you wish existed. And so I remember thinking like working in the sector, being a young woman, like where do I go if I just want to know information about gender-based violence or violence against women and girls like is there a platform is there like a place that you can go to find out like, this information you know and I was like well let me create this hub that allows people who are like new to the sector or want to find out more about women's rights feminism to come on and just read whether it is articles whether it's listen to interviews that I do whether it's definitions or terms of words and so I was like let me just create this place that people can go on at the moment I'm really rethinking of feminist focus actually what is this purpose what can I do to ensure it's living out its purpose and so I'm currently working on more content to put on currently thinking of ways that I can have it sustain itself and so yeah I'm currently in a drawing board and thinking but at the moment you can still go on and watch interviews and just see the content that's currently on there what I really hope is for it to be this learning hub that people continuously visit and yeah just be able to get source of information and education from I think for me informal education is one of the things that are really close to my heart and people learning through other ways than just like academia and that's what I hope it brings I hope it's a space for anyone not just women or black women to go on and be like okay I understand what this feminism thing is or I understand what womanism is what yeah. have you learned about yourself on this journey I have learned that I am greater than I know and I don't always remember that every day that I genuinely have the power to do whatever it is I want to do. I've also learned the importance of healing and that I need to heal and that healing also doesn't happen in a week, that it's an ongoing thing and that whilst I'm healing, I should really be kind to myself. 
but also it's that thing of you know with me I think my Gemini-ness sometimes I can be the one or two extremes and so it's like okay it's a week of healing but I have to remember in the week of healing I can also still work and do and so one of the quotes that stay in my head constantly is like take your time but don't waste your time and I think throughout the last couple of years I've been the extremes of that saying so sometimes taking my time but taking too much time and sometimes I'm not wasting my time, but I'm working too hard. And so I'm really learning to find that medium and that balance and heal myself throughout that process. What advice would you give to Black women? I don't know if it's advice more as, as it's just like a word of like, you know what? Yeah, live your life. Live your life. And I don't mean live your life on me. When I say live your life, I don't necessarily mean like, go bungee jump, jump out of a plane. Like that kind of live your life. If you want to do that, do that too. But I mean, <laughs> just like on some, listen to your spirit and listen to your inner being and flow and go with that. If you decide to be a nun, go and be the best nun. If you want to go and be, I don't know, in the circus, go and be the best clown. But I just want us as people, as Black Black women to really live out our purpose and our dreams and when it's all said and done we can look back and say you know what I lived a fulfilling life and I did everything that I needed to do you know one of my younger sisters always had this kind of complexity around studying fashion at university because me and my other siblings do work that is a bit more measurable and I guess is a bit more like not nine to five-ish but you know what I'm saying like and so she's always had this complexity around our uh, being a creative and stuff and I said at the end of the day, like, be the best creative you want to be. Don't even worry about, oh, it's not a secure job and it's not this. If you bring your best and you work to the best, then you're going to get everything that you deserve. And so just listen to yourself and just flow with it. Don't fight life. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Just flow with life. Don't fight it. Lastly, what can we expect from you in the future? I'm hoping to do a lot more and what I mean by that not that I'm not doing enough but putting myself out there so I hope to be more visible in terms of the work that I do expect maybe even another book in the pipeline expect more work on feminist focus one of the things I'm really trying to do is instead of starting new projects really work and give love to the projects that are existing so yeah just see more from me in terms of content but also see more me in terms of talking and speaking on panels and speaking about the work I do also do workshop in school so if anyone's listening and works in a school or works with any young people and want me to come in and do some workshops I am your woman so yeah just a bit more of me putting myself out there in a comfortable way and knowing me there might even be things that I don't even know that are coming yet so also watch out for the stuff that who knows like Rock if I was doing that now yep she is so yeah <laughs> we, love <laughs> we love you know? it we love it we love it well thank you so much for speaking with me amazing no problem no problem thank you for having me Production and sound design of this episode was by Hannah Ward. Thank you for listening to Respeaks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, join me again soon. I won't support your lie no more. I won't even try no more. If I have to die, oh Lord, that's how I choose to live. I won't be compromised no more. I can't be victimized no more. I just don't sympathize no more.